Let me tell you a story. It runs parallel to our story. A parallel story is an example like this. There are children playing on a schoolyard, unaware that a plane has flown into one of the twin towers. Their story, we're on the schoolyard doing this or that. But at the same time, something else is happening that will have great impact on their lives because their fathers will go to war. So we live a parallel story that has great impact on our lives. And the parallel story begins a long time ago. A father chose for his son a bride. And he put the first parents of the bride in this beautiful garden where there was a tree of life that kept giving them life. But the father and the son had an enemy from even a longer time ago. He hated the father and the son, and he hated the bride. And he was going to do all he could to destroy the bride. He was partly successful. He deceived them, and they were cast out of the garden, away from that tree that constantly gave them life. And for many years thereafter, the dragon and those who were influenced by him continued the war against the bride. But the father and the son loved the bride, and so the son invaded the dragon's territory, dealt a, a death blow to him, but he wasn't quite dead. He still had his henchmen who would do his bidding, and he continued the war against the bride. We live in this story. We are the bride. The dragon still wars against us, and we need to be rescued. Now let me skip ahead to the end of the story. I'm actually going to tell you how the story ends. A messenger from the sun recorded the story for us. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And so now we see where the story ends, and it actually ends where it began, with a tree of life giving life. 
Now, um, we're not there yet. We still live in a land that's under a curse. Weeds grow in our gardens. Women have pain and childbirth. Work is called labor. And people sometimes act like the dragon. Just watch the news, right? It seems like it's a highlight reel of the dragon's work. And sometimes, only sometimes, are we aware that we are part of the story. Well, that's the way it is now, but it's not the end of the story. At the end, we see his face, and there will not be any darkness, for he is the light, and everything we associate with darkness, conflict, heartbreak, death, it's all done away with. Every tear is wiped from our eye, and the bride will be with him forever and ever. But in the meantime, he has given us instructions. He includes them in this letter. It's almost as if he wrote us a letter to encourage us till he comes. That's the rest of Revelation chapter 22. We're going to read that on the screen, and we're going to read that together. Ready? Beloved, look for me. I'm coming soon. Blessed are you who keep the words of the prophecy in this book. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll? All right. Have you ever gotten a letter from a loved one? 
and you read the letter again to make sure you get everything that the loved one intended for you. So we're gonna go back through little pieces of the letter. There's twice in the letter when Jesus says, blessed are you. Verse seven, blessed are you who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And so Jesus gives us this prophecy. We think of prophecy as a prediction for the future, but really prophets mostly encourage the people to do what the Lord wanted. This is what kind of prophecy this mainly is. It's instructions on how to live until he comes. It would be like a husband off away to war and he writes to his wife and gives her instructions on what to do and how to live and how to survive until he comes back from the war. And really, that's what we have been reading since chapter two. Words like, love me, follow my instructions, worship me, pray for the saints, be aware of the dragon, hang on to your faith, and keep going until victory comes. And then I'll return and be with you forever. There's a second blessing in this chapter, and blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Robes represent our lives, and none of us get through life without our robes being soiled with sin. There's only one way to wash them. They're washed by the blood of the Lamb. So we go to the lamb, we go to Jesus, and we say, Jesus, I need to be washed. We kneel at his cross, we see his body tortured and torn, and we say, Lord, we know how costly this is for you. But we also receive it and truly believe that we are washed. Washed as white as snow, the book told us earlier. White with the righteousness of Christ. Jesus says, if you've come to me and asked for your robes to be washed, blessed are you. You have access to the tree of life. You'll walk in the holy city. And talk about that tree of life. In the original garden, our first parents were denied going back to that tree after they sinned. In their fallenness, God did not let them go back to the tree and eat so that they could go on living. It was the mercy of God so that our fallenness would not be forever. Our restoration is forever. Now in this chapter, there's also three different times when Jesus says, I am coming soon. So he really wants us to know he is coming. In verse seven, he says, behold, or in other words, look for me, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who do the words of this book or of this scroll. And so we want to be doing what the Lord says until he comes again. Verse 12, behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. And so Jesus will come back with his rewards. Rewards for the things we've done in his name. Rewards for every time we sacrifice to advance his gospel or to serve him or to serve his church. Rewards for every time we overcame temptation. I was reading this book 
today from, uh, not today, but a few days ago, from St. Teresa of Avila. And she says, even our temptations bring us reward. Sounds strange, doesn't it? But here's what she said. We persecute ourselves when we are tempted. We flagellate ourselves that we even have sinful thoughts. But those thoughts and those temptations are from the fallen nature, from the evil one. The ability to identify them as sin and to say no to them and to choose our love for Christ instead is a sign of God's grace working in us. It's a testimony or evidence of our regeneration. And that means every temptation is an opportunity to love Christ and to gain reward. When he comes, his reward and his gifts will be with him. And then in verse 20, we hear Jesus say again, yes, or amen, or for sure, I'm coming soon. And how does that make you feel when we say, the Lord's coming back soon? What if we really thought he's coming back in a few days? Or if he's coming back by the end of the year? Would that change our thinking? Would it change our lives? Now, some people, if they really believed Jesus was coming back soon, they would say, oh, no. Oh, no. It's because they're afraid he's going to come back and judge them for their lives. Well, then the promise of his return is an inspiration and a motive for us to repent because we want to be living the way he wants us to live, whether he comes back tomorrow or we die here on earth. Some people's lives are so unbearable to them that they want Jesus to come back and just bring things to an end. And yes, Jesus is our hope, but there's hope in this life, even if things are bad, because he's active in us in this life, working in us. And should our life come to a close, there is hope because our future, our eternal future is with Jesus. And then there are some people who think, oh, I don't want you to come back. You'll interrupt my plans. I started off my ministry doing young adult ministry, and I taught on the second coming of Jesus once, and one of the young ladies in the group said, I don't want Jesus to come back. I want to get married first. And after her third husband, she wished that he had come back before the first one. <laughs> but whatever plans you have, his plans are so much better. It's like a husband who says to his wife, hey, let's go away for this weekend. And usually when they go away, they go away to Cottonwood Falls. And the wife thinks, oh, there's this little shop I like to go to in Cottonwood Falls. I'll, I'll start making plans to go there. And then just a few days before the trip, the husband says, we're flying first class to Paris and we're gonna stay at the best place in Paris and we're gonna do Paris together. Now the wife thinks, wow, those plans are better than mine. That interruption of plans is a good interruption. Whatever plans you have, his plans are better. No eye has seen, 
nor the mind of man conceive the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love him. The return of Christ is the hope of the church. The fallenness of this world will be reversed. What is wrong will be made right. And the foretaste we have in this life of love or peace or joy, that's full measure in the life to come. Have you ever been in a worship service and you you had a taste of the presence of God? Just a taste. But the fullness is coming. Have you ever had an experience of joy? Think of when you just experienced joy. That was a taste. Think of the fullness. Maybe you've had a taste of majesty and grandeur when you've stood before the mountains in Colorado or before a a crashing ocean or a beautiful sunset or a starlit sky. Just a taste of the full measure of glory. Have you ever been surrounded by love? Your kids, your grandkids gathered around you, just loving on you? Just a taste. All of the good things in life are a taste. When he comes, it will be full immersion forever and ever. The promise of his return is not this. Just wait until your father gets home. No, it's this. Dad is coming home from war. He returns as the hero of the nation. He is bringing you gifts and our life will be good. Now, before it draws to the end, Jesus wants to remind us of who he is. And he picks out three things he wants us to keep in mind. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. Jesus will bring all of history to his end. History is his story. There's a lot of apocalyptic messages out there today, and I'm using apocalyptic in the worldly sense. Truly, the word means to reveal but the world uses it to mean the end of the world, destruction. You know, if you watch the news too much, you start to think, yeah, the end is near, right? My my mom watches Fox News, she's in Columbia, but she watches Fox News in Columbia. And uh, after a week of five hours a day of Fox News, almost every week she says, I think the end of the world is coming. The news will do that to you. If you listen to another news station, they'll tell you that climate change will destroy the earth. And then if you read the news on your phone, you'll you'll see news is like, oh, you thought COVID was bad. The next variant's going to be worse. And and then you look at, well, maybe I'll watch a movie to just kind of escape from this stuff. And then there's movies about asteroids and zombies. And, you know, it's just a creation of fear fear that life as we know it will be destroyed. Jesus is in charge of history. It's his story. He'll bring it to the end that he wants. And we are part of his story. 
And that story for us is good. Verse 16, Jesus reminds us, I'm the root of David. It's a messianic title. He's a descendant of David. He's the promised Messiah to Israel, spoken of in the scriptures. And he came to earth and fulfilled almost all the scriptures. Born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem. He'll give sight to the blind. He'll be pierced for our transgressions. God won't let his holy one see decay. But he's going to come again and he's going to fulfill the rest of the scriptures. Of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign forever and ever. And then in verse 16, Jesus says, I am the bright morning star. The morning star is actually a planet Venus. For half of the year, it's a morning star that rises just before sunrise. For half the year, it's the evening star. It, it sets just after sunset. For the rest of this month, it's the morning star. I looked at it. I get up at five o'clock on Sundays and I saw Venus out there this morning. It was the bright morning star. It rises about an hour before any light on the horizon. At the coldest and darkest part of the night. That's when you see it. But when you see it, you know the light and the sun will quickly follow. Jesus says, I'm the bright morning star. And to the church living in the world where darkness crouches to devour us, he will come to dispel the darkness And when the darkness is at its darkness, that is where the story will turn. The groom will slay the dragon. He will rescue his bride. And they will live forever and ever. Our story runs parallel with that story. And we do not see it unless the curtain is pulled back. But the curtain has been pulled back. And now you see it. Verse 17 repeats this word of command, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. Come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. So the Spirit goes out into the world, drawing people to Christ, saying, come. The church joins the Spirit in going out to the world, saying to the world, come. People who are unsatisfied in life and feeling empty, who want to live forever and want their emptiness filled, they hear the words, come, come to Jesus. And while we labor and live on the world, the church says to her Savior, come. The revelation ends with Jesus saying, Behold, I am coming soon. And the church responds to her Lord. Let it be so. 
come, Lord Jesus. That's how the book ends. So we're gonna end this sermon series with those words. Jesus says to the church, look for me, I'm coming soon. And we answer back, let's say it together, let it be so. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that your spirit said to us, come. We thank you, Lord, that when we came, you washed our robes. And now we stand righteous before you. Thank you that you've cleansed us. Thank you that you persist with us. Thank you that you keep us. Thank you that you've given us a hope and a future. And so, Lord, as we draw this series to an end, we worship you with all the saints in heaven who worship you. Let our worship be caught up with theirs. And let you, O Lamb of God, along with the Father and the Spirit, receive all glory forever and ever. Amen.